0: It's not about me. If you have not yet figured out that you are not the center of the universe, okay, if you haven't figured that out yet, if you have not figured out that there is a God and you're not him, okay, if you have not figured out that the world does not revolve around you and it's always about you, then you're going to have a rough life And most tragically of all, you're going to miss what God has for you. It's not about me. If you don't get this right, you will never truly connect to Christ. You just, it can't be done. If it's all about you, it's not about Christ. You have to surrender your heart, your will, and acknowledge that you need him and you cannot save yourself. It's not about you. It's about Christ. If, if you don't get this, you will never connect with others relationally or connect to Christian community. Your marriage, your friendships, your relationships will suffer because you are living an egocentric life, because you're trying to make life all about you. And, and this issue, it's not about me. Literally, proliferates virtually every element of our life it soaks into every every ounce of our fiber and our being and who we are and 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 ultimately you know we say connect to Christ connect to community connect to purpose you will never you have no chance of finding your purpose if you do not really get your head around this idea it's not about me So today, we're going to make sure we get the right foundation for this statement I've made, and the only way to do that is we're going to look to God's Word. So let's get started by looking to God's Word. One of the greatest verses, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, it really defines what happens to a person who says, it's not about me, it's about Christ. I will connect to Him. I will connect to community, and I will connect to His purpose for my life. So, let's read the verse together. Let's get started. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. I hope you'll join. We're going to read this out loud together. Let's read it together. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You can't miss it. My old self. The ego-driven self. The person who lived their life for three people. Me, myself, and I. the, The person who was egocentric. The old person has been crucified with Christ. Now, if you have repented of your sin, and, and this is an event, this is a moment in time when you receive Christ, you asked Him to save you. It's followed by a process. Being born again is no more all there is to spiritual life than having a baby born in the hospital and say, well, that's it. There is a process of growing that follows birth. And that is true in the life of a Christian. And This verse just really lets us know what has happened and what is supposed to be happening. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's blatantly a declaration. It's not about me anymore. It's about Christ. So how do I live? I trust him. How do I live? I love back the one who loved me and gave his life for me. This verse settles the issue of my value. It says, Jesus died for me. That's where my value is. He died on the cross for me, and it allows me to embrace his worth for me and make my life about him. It's not about me. It says, as a Christian, it's all about Christ living in me. Now, this is this issue of ego, I'll give you a little, uh, just a real quick lesson. Uh, How many of you have heard of Sigmund Freud? Okay. Most of us have had the misfortune of uh, hearing some of his thoughts and theories and ideas, and now psychiatry is referred to as a science. I think it's a pseudoscience. I think it's based on information, they call it truth, that is not based on the truth, that there is a God that doesn't mean some good can come out of psychiatry I'm not saying that there are some counselors who start with this premise there is a God his principles are true that counselor can help you but Freud kind of put forward a word we just take for granted it is a fairly recent word in the English dictionary his translator who would translate Latin phrases for him, translated the Latin word for I, which is, are you ready for this? Ego. I have a little little game, (laughs) little exercise for you, frankly, because you've been around people who precede the majority of the sentences, they begin with the word I. I want to do this, I feel that. Uh, I I think I I me, myself, or I. It's all they're three favorite people, always right in the center of the conversation. And and so the Latin word, what is it? Ego? Okay. Literally in Latin means I. And Freud put it forward as an idea that expressed. The essence of a person's self-awareness, their ego, their, their self-awareness, their self-respect for themselves—so many elements to this. We I mean, have to spend the rest of the day, and I'm not a Freudian, so I'm not—I don't believe the vast majority of it. But the idea ego—do would, would, we not agree with it—is now a part of our vernacular. It's, some of you are thinking, "I thought that word had been around forever," but no, it's fairly recent to the English language. And because it now that you know this knowledge is a wonderful thing you know it means I in Latin here's here's your exercise here's what I'd like you to do for the next few days as long as you can remember this exercise okay please give some thought to this every time you hear someone say or begin a sentence or say the word I insert in that sentence the word ego like, I want to go out to Red Lobster today to eat. Okay? You replace the word I with ego. What they want, ego wants this. And, and give it some thought. Do it to your, you know, frankly, it's a lot more fun to do it to other people than do it to yourself. Just, we can be honest about that. But you, you will be stunned at how often this this expanded understanding of that word, I, when you in, envelop it in the idea of ego, you're going to be stunned at how often you are living your life with your ego out in front, what you want. And, and the, when I say the most important lesson, if you learn this lesson and you realize it's not about you, it's about Christ. He's out in front. If you can get I, ego, off of the throne. Now, the throne is, for me, just an idea to help you understand who's in charge, who's running your life. The Scripture gives us a lot of visual imagery that we can embrace when we talk about Jesus as Lord. He is on the throne. He is the one that's supposed to be governing and running our life and in control, but unfortunately, our egos, I, shoves Jesus aside. And we make life not about him, but about what we want. Now, here's some good news. You say, if I do that, I'll get lost. But guess what? Here's some good news. You're not going to get lost. You know who loves you? Jesus loves you. He cares about you. You said, I don't worry about me. I don't care for me. Nobody else will wrong. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He cares about your needs. He he wants you to be safe. He wants you to be cared for. You're not setting aside the essence of who you are. You are simply treasuring your value as it's wrapped up in the person of Christ. You are in Him. He is in you. And your life now takes on meaning because... Everything you do is based on what he wants, not what ego wants, not what I want. And, and you, you know, if you don't get this right, it's going to hurt your marriage. It's going to hurt your relationships. It's going to hurt your parenting abilities. It, it's going to hurt virtually your relationships at work, your neighbors, and I'm going to give you some insights into this today, maybe in a way that gives you a little bit of a history of this idea of ego and, 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 and self-centeredness. And so today, very quickly, three insights into ego and how ego makes life all about you when it's really not about us. Number one, the first thought I want to share with you, first insight ego is the foundation of Satan's original sin and fall where did things get off the tracks when when did this world begin to spin out of control well it actually goes back and the book of Isaiah records this Satan's original sin Isaiah chapter 14 verse 13 the latter part of that verse in verse 14 Satan says here I now we learned what does the word I in Latin how do you say it ego ego Satan Satan is speaking this is recording him I will ascend to heaven and send and set my throne above God's stars I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most Hi, this is original sin. This this is Satan saying, "It's about me." Yeah, I know that God's the creator. I know I'm a created being. He created me, and I know He's given me a place of prominence. I mean, you can read the history. I, I, I took a, a whole year of seminary classes understanding who Satan was. But but the short the short story is this: one day in history past, he decided he was no longer content to be second to God. He raised himself up and he said, I, ego, will be, my ego, will result in me demanding to be above him, or even on an equal plane with him. This is the story of Satan's rebellion against God. It was his ego that got in the way. So original sin here is ego. And and we do the same thing. I will rule my own life. Ego because of ego. I will rule my own life. You, you see when we do that every time we do that we are dethroning God from being in control. It's not about me. I am not God. I am not in charge. My, my life is to be lived with an awareness of the presence. If you are a believer and you are following Christ, you are to live with an awareness of his presence in your life and you are alive to follow him, to bring glory to God. Now, you got some heavy stuff to work through. Those of you who are using the let's talk about it part of Sunday's notes, you've got some heavy questions, you've got some heavy scripture To read, and I encourage you to get everything out of it because when I say this is the most important lesson, I'm virtually telling you this lesson results in all other lessons, making it possible for them to be understood. Because if you don't get this right, if you don't get this premise down, it's not about me, none of the other lessons will make sense. Next, secondly, the second insight about our ego. Ego causes us to question and doubt what God says. Again, write the scripture. I want you to make a note of that. Ego, what I want, my pride, causes us, every one of us, not just you. I'm not preaching at you. I I am sharing my heart. This is the essence of my life experience. I have discovered that ego, what I want, causes me to question and doubt what God says. So here, here is another story. The story of how Satan took his rebellion to planet Earth and got Eve and later Adam to join him in his rebellion. Genesis 3.1 says the serpent. Now, just the short story of this. Satan came into the physical embodiment of, of a serpent. Now you say, wow, I don't get that. I'm not real fond of serpents. That's because serpents since that time have been under the curse. But but at that time, they were not under a curse. And and it says they were the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day, he asked the the serpent, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? First of all, he lied. He made up a lie because God said, Eat from anything except that one over in the center, that tree that I've set aside. And, and I, I want you to obey me on this. Do not eat from that tree. You see, if you learn that, this lesson, you will learn how temptation works. Generally, we, we don't just wake up in the morning and say, shake our fist toward God, I'm going to do what I want to do. We progressively go through a process where we begin to question the things God has said, and we start rationalizing in our mind. Did God really say that? Did he really mean that? We're seeing that now in so many ways in our, our culture, in social issues. People are saying, yeah, I know the Bible says, you know, there's those pesty little 10 commandments that a lot of people are seeing as 10 voluntary suggestions. If it works for you, you, you can try it out. But the truth is, God loves us. He gave us. He is God. It's not about us. He created us. He knows what's best for us. And really, I want you to walk out of here today. The next time you question God and something he asks you to do, I want you to understand what's happening. That temptation is no different than what happened to Adam and to Eve. This next lesson, this lesson is life changing. And I want to show it to you here in your notes, because it is not about me. I must not question God. That's the that's the takeaway. That's what we're doing. When God says, and you can fill in the blank, anything God asks you to do, make time for a life group. Well, God, I I question I have time to do that. I question if there's any real value. Is there really any value? I don't know if I want to do that. You see how that works? And you just fill in the blank. It could come down to your, your generosity. God presses on your heart. You read this book, you'll find out that God has called you to be generous with your time, with your talents, and with your treasures. But yet, if we're egocentric, we don't have time for anybody else. But if we put God first, we won't question. When God leads us to be generous in our giving, we step away and it's not, how much do I have to give? It's, God, how much can I give and still have enough left over to eat? That's actually the approach Kathy and I have taken for 46 years. You can fill in the, the, the blank. God says it. When you question it, you are participating in a process of rebellion against him. And, and so those of you using the let's talk about it discussion list, you got some more heavy lifting to do there. One more thought. The third one, here you go ego must be set aside if Jesus is to be Lord of our lives. If he is truly to be Lord, if we are not going to dethrone him, if we're, going to, if we're going to make him Lord of our life, he's in charge. The first thing you got to understand about this lesson is that you got to relearn this lesson every day over and over and over. This is not, okay, got it. I promise you, if you say I got it here before you get out of the parking lot today you're gonna have to relearn this lesson there is going to be some goofus who cuts in front of you to get out of here before you and and they're not asking the question is it about being Christ like here or is it about who can get to the restaurant first or, and we don't, the Browns aren't playing until tomorrow night, so that's not going to have anything to do with it. Some of you might even have time to hang around and talk a little bit today. But, but here, it, here it is. Follow me in this. If you will set aside ego, you can make Jesus Lord of your life. Now, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible, one of my favorite personalities is a guy named John. John the Baptizer, he is known as John the Baptist. John three thirty last verse. I'm going to ask you to read with me today, but it's a it's a verse that is life changing. Here it is, John three thirty. You ready? Read it with me out loud together. Here we go. He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. Wow. John saw Jesus. Now John's a big, he's a big personality, bigger than life. Crowds are following him everywhere. He's a rock star in his time. And literally everywhere he goes, people press upon him. They want to hear him talk. One day he looks out in the crowd and he sees Jesus. And he goes, oh, this is the one. This is the Messiah. Christ means Messiah. This is the Christ, the Messiah. And, and, and what does he say the next thing that comes out of his mouth? He must increase. I must decrease that's that's what it means to make Jesus Lord of your life. Less of you, more of him. And, and this, this lesson is so powerful. It's, it's why I, I kind of wrapped it up with this here. You can't miss this. T- today's lesson is because it's not about me. I must honor and value others above myself. B- because if it's not about me, it's not my ego. It's not what I want. It's about what God wants for others. And, and, and the reason I, I wanted to put all this together and you got some more work to do with the let's talk about it stuff, but let me kind of wrap it up with this, and make it personal and hopefully you can then take it and make it personal for you. I, uh, I have tried to live my life since at the age of 17. I, uh, I became a follower of Christ. I became a believer. And, and it was the first time in my life that ego, I understood ego. I went to a uh, party on Friday night after I had become a Christian on a Monday night, and I walked in, I, I was there for a little while, I walked out, I sat on the steps, front steps of that house at 17, okay, how many 17 year old we got? Any 17, 17, 17 okay, cool. Uh, a really fun time. But I sat out on, the, on these concrete steps, August 1970, and it hit me. There's something I want to do, and there's something God wants me to do. And what I want to do is go back in that house and do the same thing I did last Friday night. But what God wants me to do is to obey him. And I started questioning, I didn't realize that. that was the essence of, of temptation. At the end of the conversation I had with God, it was the first time in my life I said, okay, it's not what I want, it's what you want. I got up and walked away. I got out of there. And and the process, and listen, believe me, I have, listen, ego has won for me many times. But I'm here to tell you that the most important lesson I've learned in all these years is when Jesus is on the throne, he's ruling my life. My life becomes what he has designed for me. I find purpose and meaning. It protects me from evil. It allows me to have purpose. My relationships are better. I, I I finish a day going, wow, God, look what you did.